Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast Minds at Work. Um, today we have a very special guest. We have Ali. Um, Ali, pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Brenda. The pleasure is mine. So how, how do you feel? I feel excited. Yeah, perfect. So today's podcast, um, we're, we're going to be talking about Minds at Work and um, unveiling strategies for success. So um, what would be great, I think, from, from, from the viewers is to maybe just give a, a quick overview of who you are and... Uh... So I'm Ali Haddad, I'm Head of Agile and Emerson BD Bank. Um, I worked in um, IT and Agile transformations for the past 13 years, I'd say. Uh, five different transformations in Emirates Airlines, Emirates MBD, I do. Um, I would say it's been a wonderful career. So your career, how, how did it all start? Well, as a young boy, yeah. right? Ali is a young uh, Emirati. What was your ambition and growth? What, what, what did you want to be? Oh, I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. Really? I never thought of IT. Okay. And then uh, one time in university, I went to that C++ course and it all clicked. I was the best guy doing coding. Yeah. I was coding games and uh, then it started attracting me. Then uh, I started my career in Emirates Airlines, uh, my IT career in Emirates okay. Airlines, as a junior programmer. Okay. Uh, I uh, was one of the very um, uh, small amount of Emirati engineers mm -hmm. there, and the beginning of the of their Emiratization program. And uh, I worked in. Uh, early times in programs to in, in programming some applications that uh, replaced legacy applications at 2012 and 2013. Some of them, uh, for example, were related to cargo. Some of them were related to uh, having the whole database of uh, Fly Dubai and Fly Emirates uh, uh, from, the, the, from the data centers in the UK ported to the data centers in Dubai oh, wow. and which opened the gate for the code merger between Fly Emirates and Fly Dubai. Okay. Uh, this is what attracted me to programming. No. Nice. And uh, nice. uh, to be in later on a senior software engineer as well in data technologies. Wow. So that transition, uh, when did your dreams shatter of not being uh, doing what you wanted to do? So... Earlier, as I said, I, I started my uh, studies studying aeronautical engineering. Okay. But uh, it all started when I enjoy... You see, I'm a hasty person. Mm. So I love to do certain activity and see a result ASAP. Okay. So coding gave me that ambition, gave yeah. me that... Uh, fulfilled that ambition. And uh, it allowed me to come up with some ideas that were beyond the time that I was developing for. So I was, during early stages, 2009, 2010, um, I was trying to, uh, to have a huge database that would uh, compete with uh, uh, medical applications uh, that are just now coming. Mm. And this was one of the, uh, even one of my graduation uh, uh, projects when I was uh, in university okay, uh, uh, to do a project, a program that would replace the Microsoft Mayo Clinic at that time, a huge database. Yeah. So that was my ambition. I did not understand that uh, at that time there was no big data, there was no cloud, 
uh, we were very limited using local databases, but still like this idea was still with me. And yeah. this is where I carried it on as well to become uh, a fir firstly a front-end engineer or a, a programmer on Emirates Airlines and then uh, a data engineer as well. And then moving to the agile and the scrum world. Okay. You said um, you're hasty, you want things done quickly. Yes. I guess that's why you come with the sprint, not the marathon. Yeah? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> no, I, I can see that. So you coming as like a, an engineer and and what what was your passion? Why why agile? Why why scrum? Okay, so basically it's it's a long story. I would say um, it's because I like to, so I was a technical leader of our team and this means that uh, I'm the one who would sometimes in the refinement sessions commit to the scope mm -hmm. on behalf of the team. When mm -hmm. sometimes in the refinement sessions not all the team were attending because you know, we are busy doing releases here and there. And uh, one of the things that everyone started noticing is that uh, I, and I don't want to brag about it but that I have a very strong personality mm. and having a strong personality means that I will always challenge leadership and I will always defend my people okay that sounds like a leader not a boss yeah yeah okay. so what I was trying is to find my team members work-life balance yeah to make sure that I don't overcommit which sometimes presented challenges in front of business in front of even IT leadership and here is where many of my peers and many of the people in my team suggested that, Ali, why don't you become a Scrum Master? You can defend people. You can uh, educate people on how to size properly and not to overcommit. You can empower the squads from within. Okay. So this is where it sparked that interest. Yeah. It's funny because um, even for me, I see a lot of similarities. Um, being a director of a recruitment company, um, a lot of methodologies that you use as an Agile lead. Um, we, we talked about this, right? Yes. Uh, about the, how you you challenge things but not overcommit. Yes. Yeah, and even in, in the industry that I'm in, um, I've always had to be, I have results, right? At the end of the day, we are target-driven, sales-driven. So there's a lot of challenges come from the top telling us, okay, you need to do this, but you also need to be aligned with where the business wants to go, where's the business strategy exactly. um, and, and plan accordingly, exactly. you know. Um, and I defend, by the way, like I, a lot of traits that you have, I, I echo everything that you say, because even myself, I'm that person. I protect my team, but I push them at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very interesting how a lot of roles within technology or whatever it is, there's a lot of similarities within outside roles. There's a lot of uh, comparisons that I see, um, but what 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 I would like to know and and maybe understand is that your mind, yeah, when you're working under pressure, yeah. right? Because like you said, you're working with large corporations. That pressure to deliver something, how do you translate that pressure to the squads and the tribes? So. Before even uh, giving the, uh, that pressure to the squads, uh, to the people who are within my squads, I'm a very delivery-oriented person. Mm. And uh, I would always keep it, uh, keep myself in the front line of uh, working hard, 
mm-hmm. and stretching uh, in time in order to achieve the results. Mm-hmm. And key people who I set up an example for, and they want, they see that even their leader is also extending. Mm-hmm. Their leader is not sitting at home relaxing while getting results. Yeah. Is with them in yeah. the front line. This is where people get motivated. People yeah. are driven, yeah. motivated to accompany me within that journey mm. and also deliver on time and even stretch over over their over their working hours in order to achieve a certain goal. Mm. Now, the the beauty in the organization I work in is that all these features, all these. Uh, requirements that we work on they get released in updates that go to the customers directly mm. so you can like for example a scrum master who works let's say in live would literally go and tell their friends after tomorrow for example there is this huge amazing update we're gonna have amazing features stay in tune yeah and people will be like uh, uh, curious what's, yeah, gonna yeah. Do? what's going on They'll be like okay wait yeah <laughs> wait until these features are released but they're going to be curious. And uh, what helps that as well is that uh, Emirates MBD is one of the largest organizations in the, in the country with the largest uh, client base as well mm. as a bank, mm. as a, also as a financial institute. Yeah. So you develop that culture of being result driven. And at the same time, now you have spoken about something really interesting. It's not only about me, but it's about the team that has to be motivated. Now, rewarding. Uh, the journey is rewarding, mm. uh, but also the organization. When you have an organization that you, that is rewarding, when you have a leadership that looks into your growth and looks into making sure that, uh, in terms of your growth within the organization, continues. Mm. This is where you always are motivated to work harder. Sure. Go beyond your limits, whether it's hourly limits or other physical limits. Go beyond these limits, push beyond these limits, mm. because you know that there will always be a proper outcome for you and for the organization. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And with with the kind of minds, you have to be built differently to be an agile scrum lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you, I know there's a lot of certifications that you yes. you need to do. And um, one of the things that we saw um, was that a lot of agile scrum um, in the industry are very theoretical yes. rather than practical. Yes. Right. Explain a bit more about that and, and how people can develop and grow and be more practical rather than theoretical. You see, a Scrum Master role is very rare, it's very unique. Not everyone can be a Scrum Master. People think themselves that they are um, the police of the framework. Okay. That's why they go and they take so many certifications. Okay. Now you can take one or two vital certifications like and utilizing, because all frameworks are becoming very similar to each other now. Okay. Before it wasn't the case? Before it wasn't, all the scaling frameworks before, each one was, was different. Nexus was different than Scrum at scale was different from Scaled Agile. Now they all want to achieve the same outcome. Okay. So there is a lot of similarities between them as well. Sure. 
So I would say, for example, as a Scrum Master, go and take PSM1, then go, for example, and take Scrum at scale so you understand, for example, the next level of scaling, mm. which is quarterly plannings, uh, how to manage the dependencies at the tribe level, like that piece of stuff. But at the same time, what our Scrum Masters are forgetting, now I'm not talking about the Scrum Masters in my organization, I'm talking about it in general, Yeah. that there is a lot of element of empathy that involves being a Scrum Master. Okay. Now, empathy is not taught in Agile courses and Agile trainings. It's taught in, in neurolinguistics, body language training, mm. uh, life coaching trainings. Mm. It's where you realize a trend okay. of certain body language, certain tone of the people. You'll be able to measure the heat of the meeting, the, like if people are satisfied, people are unhappy, mm. act upon it. I always say that a good Scrum Master, is a, although retrospectives are the most important meetings in, in Scrum, but mm. a good Scrum Master is a Scrum Master that doesn't need to run a retros retrospective session because they are so involved mentally and physically mm. within with their teams that they know what are the points of improvement. Mm. Okay. They know what needs to be improved and they are acting upon it proactively. Yeah. And you can't do that but by only running a stand-up session. Okay. You, you do that by being co-located with your team members mm. and understanding how they feel, understanding how they communicate with each other and they communicate with other stakeholders. Right, right. And then you'll be able to come and assess the situation and better your squad Okay. and its members. Okay. So we are looking into the theory Mm. But we are not looking into how can we act upon it as coaches for the squads. So, the, appli the, so the application of it, how do you apply yeah. how it? To be, yeah, we are looking at being a leader, mm. but we are not looking at being a servant leader. Okay. What's the difference? So the leader is someone who is going to lead the squad into a certain outcome. Okay. A servant leader is someone who's going to take a step back now and then and assess how the squad is feeling. Yeah. What are the squad's shortcomings? What, what they need to do in order to make sure that they carry on that squad to yeah. the end point yeah. with everyone healthy, everyone happy, everyone achieving what they want at a personal level in, the, in their career mm. and at a delivery level mm. in their commitments of what is being delivered. Okay. How do you test the commitment level? How could you, as a, as a scrum master, how, how can you check those points so there is the micromanagement tools of testing commitments I would say it bluntly mm. you go to the GRA you see how much the team has committed versus how much they have delivered okay is that the KPIs you mean that's a KPI exactly. okay but is it the is, is it uh, something that is uh, uh, realistic mm. no on the ground it's completely different mm. I test the commitment by my team members coming up with innovative ideas to make the uh, application or the system that they are working on better. Mm. I see people making themselves always available when there is any issue that is happening to the application or the system. Mm. I see people who are coming and uh, even arguing like, what what is the reason for me to develop that feature? I can develop another feature that could do even better. Okay. I can see people coming up with suggestions, yeah. ideas, 
not only with feature related but also technology related okay maybe we can go into the technical lead a developer going to the technical lead telling them i have in the weekend i have made a proof of concept of of another technology on my personal laptop mm. i think the same operation could go for our system and it will be better right we can change the code base or we can change something yeah so commitments is different than only what i that i deliver what i commit to during my sprint planning mm. it is it is beyond that okay it is a feeling that i am part of that system part of that project as i said let's say i'm working on the new embd x application feeling that i'm part of the team and part of that product and an ambassador for that product mm. coming up with new ideas um helping other people around um uh, instead of making it my ownership i or that person's ownership or let's say that person failed in their development instead of keeping it their ownership helping them and keep it as part of my ownership as well mm. this is commitment okay it is it goes beyond what i commit during the start of the sprint and what i deliver maybe i deliver 20% of what i commit mm. but that's only at the story level or at the requirement level maybe mm. be uh, maybe beyond that i have delivered much more okay i have helped people uh, i have helped people uh, yeah uh, clear the bugs of their of their stories i have uh, came up with a new and innovative ideas i have uh, uh even stabilize the system some way or another way uh it is more than what uh, these metrics tell me okay and this is where i need a scrum master who's on the ground okay who has empathy who understands the people who pick mm. up on these on these shining stars and making sure to retain them within mm. the team so emo- emotional intelligence is very very exactly important right exactly and how not to show your frustrations or to be to know, learn to know when to put your arm around the person yes. and when to push the person exactly yeah I, i'm very similar again if i look at what we do right um we always look at when the job comes it's the first sprint is to find the right candidate right but before then we have the the qualification we have to understand what the job entails and etc sprint one sprint two and there's the period where the team feels okay i'm not going to find the person or thing so you have to put the arm around the person to be like you can find the person you just need to maybe look deeper or whatever it might be until the end phases or the end sprint is making that placement to have someone to work on the client side so i a lot i again i think when we were talking um a lot of your ideas your concepts i echo those concepts within even in in our team right now so ali um one of the things i wanted to kind of show to our viewers and um is uh, the future talent okay especially local emirati talent yes. um what kind of advice could you give to them who want to enter the technology industry okay that's that's a that's a very uh i would say that's a very strong and difficult question to answer i'll tell you why okay because uh in school especially in school we are taught that we have to appreciate work life balance mm. we have to uh yeah, always differentiate between the job that i have mm. and the life that i have that i have to have many hobbies mm. many things technology is different 
it's a different stream of work mm. in which you have to be enthusiastic enough to be someone who would love innovating, love creative uh, thinking and a creative mind, having a creative mind mindset in order to actually grow in the technology sector. Yes. Now, uh, as I said, answering this question is very difficult. Here is where you have to understand, and I'm going to speak in the language of the young generation mm. who has an entrepreneurial mindset. Treat your career and not your job in the technology sector as it's your own business. And it is very rewarding and you will grow. Mm. The same amount of money, if you were innovative enough and you had the required skills, yeah. trust me, the same money you make in your own business, you'll make it in, you'll make it in your career. Okay. That's how rewarding technology sector is. I agree. And I agree. this is where I have to treat it as my own business. Now, what's the difference between my business and my job? My business, I bring my whole life to my business and yeah. I bring that business to my life. Yes. Which means that I break that boundary of work-life balance. Yeah. My job becomes my life and my life become and my job becomes a part of my life mm. and I'm always thinking constantly about it. Yeah. Because it becomes my own business as well. Yeah. And this is the kind of mindset we need to build as well for the young generation. Mm. Is that Technology is a very rewarding sector. It requires entrepreneurial mindsets who come up with innovative ideas through creative thinking mm. and treat it as their own business. Okay. And this is how they are going to grow. And this is how they are even going to not only grow career-wise, but in their mindset and the way they deal and talk to people and getting out of the introvert, I would call it the introvert cocoon. To become extroverts. <laughs> Introvert cocoon. Yeah. Okay. Never heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and become extroverts. This is how, uh, this is how we grow and in, in technology. Okay. Okay. So, uh, for for me, yeah. right? Um, uh, one of the things that I, I I was never into technology. By the way, um, I I did a maths and business degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought about. Uh, recruitment. Uh, I never thought about recruiting in technology. Yeah. Yeah. But what was fascinating about technology for me was it's just constantly something new, something new, something new. So going back to what you were saying about treating it um, like an entrepreneur, all these new things we're talking about AI right now, um, the metaverse, and and all these things, right? It's just something constantly changing. Back in my time, I used to the internet was a dial-in. Yes. So we had to wait, and then if my uh, my mum goes on the phone, my internet cuts. <laughs> yeah. Now now we're at the stage. Now we're at the stage where we've got five G and and etc. So I one hundred percent agree from how you have to treat it like that. But the the mindset of the individual has to change. Yes, right. That's I think that's the the key point. Of what I'm taking from you is that. If you can see te- technology, technology is enabling businesses worldwide. Exactly. Yeah. The whole world is changing. The whole world is using different, different technologies. Um, and people entering this industry right now have a very big advantage. If you look at schools, they're teaching coding yes. at a young age. My, do- my daughter's at school and, and they, they're already trying to teach her how to code, which is, we never had that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you, no, I, I, ne- I never had that. The maximum I had, and that was on a personal note, 
and that was my first business as well when I was like 12 or 13. I would go to the um, to the computer market in uh, in Bordeaux. Okay. And I would buy those uh, uh, computer uh, parts. Yeah. I would assemble the computer at home. The part it would cost me five thousand, but I will be selling it for twelve, thirteen thousand to the no rich way. school kids. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, way. I would do that. And that, that's at a young age like I was that. Twelve, thirteen. Yeah, but it used to take me around. And you see, here is where, as I said. It did not take me one hour to assemble that laptop. It was a computer, so it was mm. gaming computers. Mm. My average was 16 hours per computer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 16 straight hours because I had uh, those uh, silicon paste and all this stuff. So I ha- it was literally 16, 15 to 16 hours per computer. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. And then you, and then you just kept on going, kept on going, and yes. then. That's interesting, very interesting. So, as a, as a, a graduate, um, a, a local Emirati graduating, and, and not just the local Emirati, just anyone that wants to enter um, the Agile uh, Scrum, um, what kind of steps do they need to take to enter this field? Because we talked about theoretical, we talked about the practical. How could someone get practical experience if they just done a certification, what kind of companies will allow them to do that? So, uh, I, I would love to speak about Emirates MBD because it's one of the first companies that I have seen that hires fresh graduate people mm. who come from universities with uh, different degrees in, in, in IT management or IT engineering. And based on their preferences, these people's preferences, they could be hired as Scrum Masters as well. Oh, wow. Yes. And we have a tailored program that uh, also ensures that these uh, people are rotated uh, between uh, multiple tribes and multiple departments to see how Agile is applied. Okay. And get experience from it. So get the creme de la creme. Creme de la creme, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Creme de la creme experience from experienced Agile coaches. Right. So learning from the best. Yes and see how can they apply and of course during that time we assess their characters mm. most of them they come from you see it techie people they come from uh, they they are mostly introverts yes but slowly when they see the empowerment and they see uh, how the coaches are acting and how the coaches are actually talking to other stakeholders and to the team members mm. they feel empowered enough to get out of that shell or the cocoon okay okay but yeah. Well, yeah i mean look technology five ten years ago to technology now especially with clients they want um, stakeholder management experience communication experience that wasn't the case when there's a coder they just used to be just sit yes. in a in a zone but now those developers and everyone like that have to be able to communicate articulate you know showcase their work to the board or, or anything like that exactly. it's, it's, it's it's changing so i guess from that perspective you emirates mbd are giving that platform for people to to kind of grow and exactly. break that introvert scenario exactly in addition to this the amount of involvement from different uh, different senior leaderships in such programs mm. is immense you won't see that anywhere else okay and i have worked in different organizations you won't see that in anywhere else you will see the learning and development emiratization hr and especially our cto Saroud. 
deeply involved in empowering the uh, empowering the new graduates. Wow. Deeply involved. Okay. And the the way even I would say the offices are made. So, you know, I'm the head of Agile. I have around 82 people as of today. Mm. Uh, each and every person of those 82 people walk into my desk without any appointment. Okay. Without any call. Yeah. Just like this. Open door policy. It's an open door. Not only me, even my CTO, even oh. my CI, even the chief uh, of business or the chief of digital or the chief of technology platforms. It's an They're open all, door policy. All there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So when you have when you have an environment like this, if you really want to grow in it, mm. and you will realize now this is up to the person. Yes. Up to that graduate. Sure. If they want to grow, they have to push themselves. Yeah. They have all the tools. They are told to push themselves even. They got the manual. They got mm. the tools. Now they have to act upon it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You touched on uh, work-life balance. Yes. You're, you're a big guy. Yeah. yeah. You love the gym. I used to be... Even better, but <laughs> hey, listen, I'm I'm not like you right now. I need to get some more muscles. I'm not young anymore. No. <laughs> so, how how do you how do you manage that? I'll tell you. You don't. <laughs> so, see, bodybuilding is a hobby, but it's a hobby built around discipline, which means that the moment I find the time, I go and I work out. Yeah. Um, now. My case is a bit even uh, special because one of my hobbies is actually buying gym equipment. Okay. And I'm an old school guy, so you give me a bar and set of dumbbells, I can do any workout, any muscle. Yeah, yeah. So nothing stops me. Okay. I have my set of dumbbells, I have my set of bars, I have my set of machines in my own home. Yeah. And I treat my work as my own business. Yeah. So I don't even mind being in a meeting at 9 or 10 a.m., 10 p.m., sorry, at yeah. night while working out. I don't mind it. Although it doesn't happen, it rarely happens, mm. but I don't mind it. Yeah. I feel it's okay. I mean, the best time to get hold of you is 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> If I was not asleep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, to, to be able to factor that in, yeah. because you have a, a lot of pressure of deliverables and things like that. Yes. Uh, apart from bodybuilding, what, are there anything else you do? Like from the weekend perspective, is there, Do you so, used to work in the weekend or what's it like for you? What's the Sometimes I do work on the weekend. Yeah. Um, very light work. Okay. Uh, maybe one, two hours. Yeah. Uh, but these are, my work on the weekend doesn't involve admin work or operational work. Okay. It usually uh, involves innovative things. Okay. So things that are, that could lead to new ideas to my chapter. Now, there is a reason why there is an agile chapter In, the, in, in, in there, which is to introduce new ways of uh, thinking, new ways mm. of working, innovative ideas. So it's not only a capability management chapter, but also an R&D and okay. an innovation chapter. Okay. And a transformation, a pure yeah. transformation chapter. Yeah. Which gives me um, uh, a sight over all the other uh, chapters as well. Mm. and all the other departments and divisions as well to see what can I, where can I step in and bring something, some better processes, mm. better tools, better ways of working, mm. uh, a better culture. So this is where the Agile chapter uh, comes. So usually my work over the weekend is more of 
innovation, R&D, uh, researching some new tools, okay. uh, even sometimes demo of some companies that couldn't get a hold of me during the week. Uh, they want to demo their products to me. So usually this is what, how I use, how I incorporate work during my weekend. Okay. Some exciting things. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I want to be in your brain right now when you're doing these art, because it's amazing, right? You're looking at different, different ways and the technology that you're thinking over the weekend, if it's actually applied with the bank, you're going to change thousands and thousands of people's way of banking. That is true. Which is insane. Yes. Because uh, we have the philosophy, right? Um, um, I, I don't know if you've seen when we, we ring the bell, when we play someone, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're changing that human being's life. Yes. I look at it a bit more than that. Not just changing that human being's life, that person's going to change a company and, and change people that are using their products in yes. a different way. So you talked about discipline. Yeah. What's like your, how does your day look? Talk, talk me through when you, you wake up in the morning to go to sleep. How does your day look? How do you plan? Because you talked about plan preparation and things like that. Talk so, me through this. So you plan for the unplanned all the time, which means that you always unplanned. have to have to keep some space or anything that can, ha that can happen during the day that might take more of your time and take more of your energy. Okay. Which means that uh, uh, you have to set up focus times. You have to learn to say no sometimes in order to be able to to prioritize something over something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are skills that I have learned. Now okay. my day, it varies. Some days I'm awake at 4 a.m. It depends on the week. Okay. It, doesn't, it depends on the vibe of that week. The vibe of that week. Yes. Okay. So I would say some weeks, every day I'll be awake at 4 a.m. Okay. I'll be working out till 8 a.m. And then I will have my huddle with my agile coaches and senior scrum masters. Mm. Then at 8.30, I will have my huddle with the chapter heads and my CTO. Mm. And then I'll be off to work. Okay. Yeah. So uh, during my day at work, there will be sometimes it's, it's people people management and people issue. Mm. It is strategy work, um, innovation work, or some of my chapter KPIs that are related to maturing the already matured agile in our assembly. Okay. So even taking a step further, so we can one day, I would say very soon, yeah. in terms of agile maturity, compete with the likes of Google, the likes of Microsoft. We are actually on par with some of these companies as well, wow. some of the big companies yeah. when it comes to agile maturity. Uh, so You're very proud. I'm very proud of this place, yes. It's, it's I can, yes. I feel it, yes. you know, the the proudness and and what you're doing, it's it's, it's, it's amazing. The, and, and look, it the, shows, right? The proudness comes from the senior leadership support. So when you have a senior leadership, mm. like uh, our CIO or uh, uh, our CTO as well, and even the chief of uh, digital products, mm. uh, uh, when you see them always on the ground, deeply involved, uh, motivating team members, like uh, literally you'll see a C person uh, sitting with a junior software engineer and motivating them. Wow. And you see that in front of you because it's an open desk policy. 
then nothing stops you from being uh, mot- motivated from being from imitating them i would say i would mm. i just spoke in the beginning of the podcast about people trying to imit i have to be the person in the front when it comes to stretching for work when it comes to um, uh, sacrificing some personal time to finish and deliver some work mm. and people will imitate me mm. because i'm their leader it's mm. the same thing i look at my senior leadership sure is they are always there yeah they're all deeply involved and uh uh, they are very supportive, so I have to imitate them. I have to mirror that kind of. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. So on that, right? Um, your team's very diverse. Yes. Yeah. Now having a diverse team, everyone comes from a different mindset, from a different background. Yes. Now you talked about leading from the front. Yeah. Yes. By the way, that's me. I'm the same as you, leading from the front. But when you have people that are from different backgrounds. How do you get them to be on the same level that you are? That's a very good question, actually. It is when people, okay, when people come, first thing to make sure that uh, they don't get a cultural shock because everyone who comes to any organization yeah. that have been um, in nearly around four different organizations, four to five different organizations, it's always a cultural shock when you just join. Of course. Whether it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, first thing I do is I meet these people. I explain about the di- how dynamic the place is. And uh, now within my structure, I assign them a buddy. Okay. That buddy would have certain, uh, certain criteria to follow. One of them is to make sure that this person, the new joiner, understands the processes understands the tools, mm. understands the ways of working in here mm. so that they are fully equipped. It's not just a tick. Yeah. It's an interview with that Scrum Master, the new joining Scrum Master, to, un- to see if they really understand or they need more time or they need, need a new body yeah. to teach them. Yeah, yeah. Now this I do in order to help them not only at work. Now many of my buddies even I I literally handpick these buddies. Okay. They even go to the personal life. They help people stabilize. Yeah. And they're uh, because many of the people that are trying to move out from yeah. a different country, exactly. settling into a new environment, new country, exactly. new job, new way of working. Exactly. They yeah. help them stabilize, stay, like uh, stabilize in the country, uh, feel comfortable. Mm. To, uh, and uh, tell them when are the bus times because Emerson BD offers the bus services for free for employees. Yeah. So when are the bus times? Um, ensure that these people are well settled. Okay. Within the organization, mm. and even sometimes extend an arm out of the organization just to make sure that these people are settled and these people are. That's nice. Are, are giving to the organization. Yeah, that's a nice. That's really nice. So from that, you you've you've kind of set the tone, yes. so to say, of what your team is like and exactly. and it's not i think what's nice what you've just said there the buddy system kind of makes it inclusive of everyone so yes. everyone plays a part yes not just the leader yes. or the the team leads or whatever it, it, you have everyone playing a part which kind of makes them feel we are one exactly in addition to this now we have the tribe system yeah. so we no longer have individual squads each squad belongs to a tribe or belongs to a platform 
Okay. And each platform has multiple Scrum Masters. Each tribe has multiple Scrum Masters. First thing I do is that the new joining Scrum Master would see me introducing them to the Agile coach of that tribe or platform, introducing them to the Scrum Masters, introducing them to the head of uh, uh, of that tribe as well, mm. from business and from IT, okay. making sure that they are comfortable enough to talk to these people. In addition to having that body system, in addition, I introduced them. We have um, we have a Teams chat a chat for the whole chapter, introducing them to that chat, and in, in that chat, making them welcome for everyone, okay. um, engaging them in chapter activities that are post work hours if they would like to join. They are it's a, they are optional it's activities, option, yeah, yeah. but these activities help them engage with people that they have never engaged in before. Okay. In addition, we do have events. We do have. Uh, uh, chapter uh, chapter events and activities that help people break those boundaries as well. Okay. So, uh, and in addition to this, when people see me, the head of Agile, I'm not always on my desk. Maybe 80% of the time, you'll see me in each and every floor that has an Agile squad. Okay. Asking each and every one. So you're, deeply, you're deeply involved, you're yes. always checking and exactly. making sure if there's any support needed. You're the first person to know if there's any going to be any crisis or anything. Yes. You can make sure you can just fix it there and then. Exactly. I, I would shock you that I would, I would, I would, I dare to say I know each and every release. Wow. Before it happens. Okay. What is this call? When is it going to happen? What are the requirements to make it happen? Although right. I'm not a release manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because my scrum masters are involved. Involved. In these so yours, well. your duty. Yeah. So I have the knowledge and. I offer any support, and I'm proud of it. Like uh, it's uh, it's it's beautiful to see people happy, happy around, mm. and feel empowered. So, Ali, where do you see yourself in the next ten years? Okay, ten years. <laughs> ten years. Okay. Uh, and then, and then, where do you see yourself in the future? You know. So. The Ali speaking to you today has around 13 years of IT experience in which almost all of them I have been through many transformations, whether digital, whether agile transformations. Mm. Uh, I would say at an average of two tra uh, one transformation per two years. Wow. Uh, so the Ali in 10 years is either a C-level Ali or Ali who owns a company that leads, transform leads and evaluates on transformations and brings the best people in order to lead transformations in huge organizations. Um, the reason I would say this is that I have been on the field. Yes. I understand the pain point of the people. And I do believe I can even change lives and uh, change organizations to the better. Okay. And I do aspire to be in that position uh, to change the organizations even more. Mm. Such a role would be a chief transformation officer um, operating from both IT and business side. Yeah. Uh, so someone who doesn't only belong to IT but also belongs to the business side. Because I do believe agile is not something related to IT only. It's the, it's the end user as well, right? It's exactly. The, it's the business. I can apply agile in any department. Of course. Some form of agile. I won't say scrum. Yeah. No. I can apply some form of agile that brings visibility and transparency to any department I want. Yeah. Uh, that I would get the opportunity to work in. So I would say Ali of the next 10 years will either be a chief transformation officer mm -hmm. 
or uh, someone who uh, owns a transformation leading company that works at the advisory board level okay who would help uh, the board take decisions on how to transform what to transform and how to even be closer to the customer than what we are now wow well, i wish you the best of luck Thank on you. that yeah you know because uh, one thing for what i also see is how technology will evolve yes. in the next 10 years so it will be interesting to see the the next 10 years of different types of transformations yes you you're going to work on yes so that's going to be inspiring that's going to be you, you you touched on two points um changing people's lives and changing organizations and uh, i can uh, and not just speaking about myself but speaking about mark ellis as well um that's our vision as a business so it's very nice to hear um you you saying that because i think we echo this, the same vision the same way and um yeah unleashing human potential so um thank you thank you thank you so much uh, it's a pleasure to have you um and uh, it's a pleasure to have this opportunity to talk with such an inspirational leader um i i think the time that i've just spent just doing this podcast i've learned so much so i'm very very grateful for that um and i'm sure that our listeners and uh, the people that are watching um um more motivated i think that i'm going to get people coming and saying i want to work for this guy right now <laughs> give me the job right <laughs> thank you. so thank you so much um thank you all for watching um stay tuned uh, for our next podcast thank you